Second Corinthians 5, 17 and 20 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to, be, him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Ephesians 1, 4 through 6. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Good morning. If someone asks you who you are, how do you introduce yourself? I mean, beyond your name, what would you say your identity is? How do you define yourself? Do you define yourself by your job? By your hobbies? By your healing, perhaps? Maybe one of you is the son of someone famous. How about by your battles? How about as a Christian? I want to share this morning a poem as we begin to talk about our identity from a website called Angela's Poems, but it talks of, about who am, who am I? Who am I? Today I met a stranger. That stranger asked my name. I introduced myself to her, and then she did the same. But does my name say anything about the person, me? Does it tell her who I was, or am, or soon will be? When I introduce myself, should I really say the personal traits that make me who I am from day to day? Should I mention feelings, opinions, and thoughts? Maybe I'm the sum of the battles that I've fought. Am I my experience, my intellect, my past? Am I the result of all the questions that I've asked? Who am I? I wonder. Should I introduce myself? in terms of purpose, ambitions, worldly use? Am I all the failures I have overcome? Am I all the battles that I've lost as well as won? Maybe, am I maybe a poet or mother, daughter, husband, wife? Is who I am summed up by the achievements of my life? And I pause there for a minute because here's the answer in the second part of this. None of these in all of them. For truthfully, we all have something we can do for God by answering his call. Our past, our present, future, all three of them combined with all the things I've mentioned are closely intertwined. For I am all important to God who knows my very name and everything about me 
And yet he loves me just the same. For everything about me is crucial to his plan. So let me introduce myself. This is who I am. I am my Lord's creation. And though I sometimes drift from God and all his teachings, I am his precious gift. My talents, life experiences, each and every one has shaped this unique person that I am and have become. God has a purpose for my life and takes me as I am. Amazingly, God chooses to include me in his plan. And this I know for certain. It's absolutely true that God has done the same for everyone, including you. I know I'm only human. The truth shall set me free. But I, like you, am God's gift. Here's who I am. I'm me. Now that might sound, for some, a little too self-focused. But stay with me, please. Because what we're going to talk about is our identity in Christ and how that makes all the difference. First, though, let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for bringing us here. I pray, Lord, uh, get me out of the way and uh, speak through me, Lord, the words that you've been laying on my heart for a couple of months. Pray, Lord, that uh, you would use this uh, sermon on our identity and what that identity is in you. Bless these words we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Paraphrase. From the Oxford and Dictionary.com dictionary, we're talking about who I am and who you are and what distinguishes our character or our condition to ourselves or others. Our character and our condition. That condition would be our jobs, our homes, whatever life circumstances have you in. Probably. You define yourself by what is the most important factor about you. Some even want to be different from the identity that they see themselves with. Or they believe they are completely someone different than they really are. This past year, though, has given me some glimpses of someone I don't want to be known or identified as. I've surprised myself by many negative thoughts, including about actions that I would really like to take, as I saw injustice and lies on both sides of an election that left us reeling. Jesus, though, warned us that if we even think about evil, we're no better than the one who takes actions. That gave me some some pondering some consideration of the person. Perhaps I was deeper in than what I thought. So, how many of us would first identify ourselves by our faith as Christians and not by our occupation or our role? Would we say, hey, I'm so-and-so, an ambassador for Christ. Who are you? Perhaps you might take a little less direct approach. Perhaps. Maybe a more humble one. But listen. Listen to what... um, Yeah, I forgot. Anyway, I got a brain cramp. 
Uh, Annie, sorry, what Annie's already read. <laughs> it happens. So she read for us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. How does that characterize us? Are we really ambassadors for Christ? Are we, in fact, the righteousness of God? Who am I in Christ? Am I a new creation? Am I an ambassador? Am I the very righteousness of God, although my actions might not always show that? Are these part of our identity today? I wondered most about this new creation. I've been a Christian for almost 50 years, and I often feel like an older creation, not a new one. So what does that mean? Have I lost my first love? No, I think, though, we have to get our eyes off the physical and go to the spiritual here. ScottQuestions.com had a few highlights as I was thinking about this idea of a new creation. A new creation is completely new, brought about from nothing. You know how often God creates something from nothing, including our, our entire universe. The new creature looks outwardly toward Christ instead of inwardly toward self. The old things die, nailed to the cross with our sin nature. The things we once loved, we now detest. The sin we once held on to, we now desire to be put away forever. The, create, the new creation is no longer a slave to sin as we formerly were. We are free, indeed. We now have the choice, the choice, and this is important, to let sin reign or to count ourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. We now have the power to choose God's way, what he intended that will bring joy. Dead to sin, but alive to God. We have been made new so that we have power over even sin. We will still fail, yes, but Christ has made us with the ability now to overcome. So, what is my, what is my identity? Who am I in Christ? What does that even mean? What does it mean to say my identity is in Christ? Is that some sort of a Christianese or Christianese saying? No. I wonder, though, if I were to be known for my humility, then my identity is one who wouldn't think more highly of himself than he ought to. If my identity has to do with an occupation, then if I am a great cook at a renowned restaurant, my identity is likely that of a chef. It might be for many that they drive a BMW or perhaps even a VW van with peace signs from 1968. Wouldn't that say something about their identity? It might be the cancer they endured or the healing they received, the battles that they have won. 
So, is there a difference between who I am as a worker, father, husband, or any other role, and who I am in Christ? If so, why? If I'm a Christian, what characteristics make that known in my God-given role? As a chef, or a salesman, or a housekeeper, an accountant, whatever we might be, is my identity also in Christ? Is it Christ first, and then in my work or home or wherever second? Or is Christ the first thing that people recognize about me? I'm not saying we should be in their face or that our talents aren't important. If you're a doctor, you better be recognized as being able to doctor. But to be identified as the love of Christ to each person, that's a different realm. Should our identity in Christ be at least, or should I say, shouldn't our identity in Christ be at least as evident as our talents? Sometimes I ask, why did he make me this way, even with all my foibles? And then I think, well, he made me in his image, yes, but I added the foibles. I can't blame God for that. Yet he does have special plans for us, in here and out there in the community, as an individual and even in our identity as a congregation here. Remember God's words to Jeremiah? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Reading again from, not again, but reading from EliseLive.com, she says, There is a seeming disconnect between who God says I am and my actual reality. So how am I supposed to believe that what the Word says about my identity when my life doesn't always align with that? Well, this is the definition of an identity crisis. Characteristics within us are in conflict with who we think we are. No matter how you may feel, though, the fact is that God sees you as forgiven and blameless when you put your faith in Him. We confess our sins to Him, we ask for His forgiveness, and we yield to His way. Remember Paul's words that Annie spoke earlier, even before he made the world. I'm reading now from the New Living Translation. There was a couple of things that really popped out to me in reading this version. Even before he made the world, God loved us. And he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So first, we have an identity in Christ because he loved us first. Second, our identity before him is holy and without fault because of what he has done. He has chosen us in Christ to be holy and without fault because of what he did for us. But there's more. Listen to this. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This, and I love this phrase, this is what he wanted to do 
You hear that? This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure even to be sin for us. Wow. So in the lines of a word, excuse me, so in the words of a play that I was once in, show your appreciation. Really? Because listen to what Paul says in verse 6. So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. Those who have their identity in Christ. Thus, that third characteristic means we are not just His creation or made in His image, but we now belong to a very special family. The family of faith that God has made each of us a part of here. And we must protect that family. You know, we're each unique. And that is sometimes appreciated and sometimes not, even in the church. Because people look at our personalities differently. The church, though, is identified as what? A family, right? My mom and dad taught me that I could, comp- that I could choose my friends, but I could not choose my family. They told me that when I would be grudging my brothers or my cousins or someone else that I didn't really want to associate with. God has put us here in a family. We must be careful. We don't purposefully or inadvertently exclude someone because of our likes or dislikes, our personalities. Our identity is so different from one another at times. Our personalities are as different as apples from apes. You may not like mine or I yours, but it's God's bestowment and gift for this community that we would learn to love one another, even all of our foibles. I digress a little bit. Our individual identity, though, is also wrapped up in our corporate identity here at the church. So you might ask, what if I don't feel like my identity in Christ meshes with all that he says I am in him? The creator of the universe, the giver of salvation, says that we are set free. He delivers. He does what we cannot do on our own. With that being said, this is where faith must be activated. To believe in a truth that we may not necessarily see for ourselves. The problem of how God how God sees us versus how we see ourselves often has a huge gap. Is this perhaps our real identity crisis? But do I believe that Jesus did for me what i.e. forgiving me or making me a new creation. Do I believe that? Jesus accepts me as I am like he did Jacob, Zacchaeus, and others, including myself. So with this foundation of scripture, definition, and other considerations, even poetry, 
what is our true identity this morning? What is the proof of our identity as Christians? What does the Bible say about our identity in Christ? We're going to look at several verses fairly quickly, but I want you to hear the richness of our identity in Christ. Some of these could apply to all mankind, but some of them, until you're in Christ, wouldn't mean much to you. We are created in the image of God, all the way back to Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created him, male and female he created them. We're told by the psalmist, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. How does that motivate your daily routine? Do you feel wonderfully and fearfully made? I praise you, said the psalmist, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You're loved by God. Isn't that a great thing in our identity? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.16 You're chosen by God. Isn't that a rich part of our identity? Jesus said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in my name, he may give to you. Here's a really good one. You're royalty. Did you know that? You are royalty. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Wow. An identity even as a priesthood. You're a friend of God. You know, I no longer call you servants, Jesus said, because a servant doesn't know his master's business. I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Friends. You're more than conquerors. You're a child of God. In Christ Jesus, we are all sons of God through faith. We've been redeemed. Sorry, electronical difficulties. I decided to shoot back to the original, to the beginning of the sermon, which I'm sure you don't want me to start over, right? There we go. And if you read through Galatians and Ephesians, you'll see additionally what we have in Christ because of this wonderful identity in Him. We have freedom from works. We are heirs from the promise of Abraham's seed. We are God's handiwork to do good works. Works that only come from the very source of grace, not from our will. We who were once far from God are brought near. Wow. We are forgiven. And we're called to do the same because Christ forgave us. That's quite an identity of faith in all of those verses. So, when someone asks you who you are, 
what will you tell them in 2021? What will we associate for an identity with who we are by what we say or by how we live? Let us be identified with Christ Jesus, who we rest in and abide in. What will take precedence, our other earthly roles or our God-given new creation? Will we be willing to be the new creation he has made? Will we? Well, that all made me wonder, how do I maintain such an identity? Some of this seems hard to me, you know, in my response, on the response side of it. But we, as Christians, we who are in Christ, have to spend time daily in his word and listening to his spirit. It sounds so rudimentary. But it can be so hard when we get up in the morning and go, ah, oh, I got this to do, I got that to do, and so forth. But critical, critical, if we're going to remember this identity that he's given to us. No one can get into the word for us or profess the promises out of our own mouth. If our identity is going to be in Christ, then we must be in the word, in prayer, and in fellowship. And you might wonder about that last one, but I think it's time to stop whining about electronic gatherings. It's, this, is, this is our reality, probably for another six months, maybe. Let's start looking for ways to connect. And I'm preaching to myself here, too. I've been thinking I really should have picked up that phone a lot more in the last nine or ten months to connect with people. But we can also social distance at parks and trails on a nice day. And I guess my real point here, let us not dwell on what we can't do, but on what we can do. To grow our true identity as Christians, we need to develop habits. The greatest of these is resting in God. Not in doing, but in resting in God. Taking time in His Word asking Him to speak, and being willing to carve out that time daily to be with Him. Let us live out this identity in Christ and let Him do His perfect work in us in 2021. If you think any of this is hard, remember Jesus' words. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will, you will find rest for your souls. Remember, all things are possible in Christ Jesus. Even to live in the identity, and especially, I should say, because it's not us, it's Him doing it. He's doing a new work in us. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So go, be ambassadors, be the righteousness of God that he made us to be. If your identity is not yet in him, seek someone out before you leave to further talk about this today. So we bow for a word of prayer. Lord, thank you 
Thank you for your word that we have. To know how to live, Lord. To know the great, extensive love that you lavished upon us. That we're about to, to remember here as we partake in communion. Pray, Lord, you would use these words, Lord, to uh, help us to live in you this year.